thank you for tuning in to another Monday show. You are listening to KSKQ 89.5 FM Ashland, Oregon and KSKQ Translator K231CW 94.1 FM Medford, Oregon also streaming at www.kskq.org. You can also find a lot of helpful information about show schedules, different shows, and radio personalities at our kskq.org site. This is Jennifer, and you, my friends, are listening to Dream Infringement. Now, I feel like I want to say it like Oprah. Dream infringement. Oh, can you hear my cat in the background? She did not like that. She was not okay with me being. Oh, yeah, she's still complaining. So this is what happens when you do a show from home. Sometimes your roommates, even if they're furry and four-legged, have definite opinions about what you're doing. She's very upset. I'm sorry. I won't try and be Oprah again. I won't try and be Oprah again. That's okay? You can handle that? Yeah, okay, that's all right. We made an agreement. Compromises have been made. Me, no no more Oprah. She'll stop yelling at me, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on. Anyhow, starting from the beginning, in my most non-Oprah-like fashion, you, my friends, are listening to Dream Infringement. She was okay with that. That passed. We're your favorite co-host trifecta, Jennifer. And is renowned for his pauses when they occur. They are where they give a new meaning to the word eternity. Woodside, Bobby. We heard Emily calling the dog. We didn't take any notice of her, though. She could be miles away. Castillo and Emily. Maybe you know about the accident, then. Castillo. And we like to play songs and tell stories based on a weekly theme. And we have a theme we're excited about this week so please don't change that dial I can't tell you what to do no calls to action but I would appreciate it greatly consider it a favor just please don't change that dial okay but not a call to action you can do whatever you want the dial is all yours don't don't feel pressured just don't change it don't 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 oh oh. okay okay we're good disaster averted as I mentioned we're excited about the theme Today's show is brought to you by the letter... What's the letter? What's the letter? What's the letter? The letter of the bell is... It's the letter of the day! That's right. The letter M. In such commonly used words as magniloquent, malacophonous, mandibuliform, and megachiropteran which are fine words to start with the letter M and serve their purpose. That's not our favorite word starting with the letter M. Our favorite word would be Miriam. That's right, Miriam. If you've listened to the show on a regular basis, you have probably heard us name drop and refer to her as our most loyal and dedicated listener. So this show is actually about Miriam. And then parts where we get distracted from Miriam, but they go back to Miriam. So I was able to sit down with her uh, for a socially distanced ice beverage and ask her some questions and get my interview persona on. And so you're going to hear about Miriam from Miriam. So onward to my very first question. Every time I call, it seems like there's tea involved. Is that a common custom like in New Zealand? And then what's your favorite tea? Well, it's yes, it is. It's a custom. And I think it stems from um, New Zealand being a colony of Britain. And of course, British are known for tea. And I was actually born in England, so my family's British and we immigrated to New Zealand in 1960. So a lot of those customs came with us. Anyway, my favourite tea is just a plain, you know, English breakfast tea, like for breakfast, mm-hmm. and then always Earl Grey in the afternoon. But not everybody likes it. I remember my dad, I sent him 
when I was living in Germany, I sent him a, a tin of the most expensive Earl Grey I could find. What does he say? Mm. Don't send me more of that oh. perfumed tea, you know, oh. or scented tea or something. And I'm just like, what is he talking about? And then I realized, oh, it's Earl Grey. That's it's what he means, you know. And, and I love it. Uh, just with milk. Just, just milk. Just milk. If I feel... Um, distressed or anything, the best thing you can do is have a hot, sweet cup of tea. Miriam, I have an Earl Grey story as well. Um, When I was 12 or 13, I went to a little coffee shop with my parents and one of my friends, and I ordered an Earl Grey tea. And my friend at the time was like, why are you drinking that? And I was like, why not? It's delicious. It's delicious, Miriam. I agree with you. Earl Grey is delightful. Yes. And I have a an Earl Grey uh, story also. There was this girl that I really liked and she ordered an Earl Grey tea and I was like, whoa, she's such a modern beatnik. And that girl was Emily. So Bobby can vouch for me in yeah. case you were thinking that I was just agreeing with you and saying that I <laughs> liked it. It's true. I really do like Earl Grey. And I think it's really sweet that when times are tough, you drink a a sweet, sweeter tea. Yeah. I think I'm going to try that next time I'm feeling blue. I also love that your dad totally turned his nose up to the idea of Earl Grey, calling it that perfumed tea. I think that's pretty cool, too. Cause he's like, it's like another, it's like a, this, this like level of, of like fanciness or like, uh, a level of like snobbery in the tea world that I just didn't even know existed. Yeah. I didn't either. I didn't know that either, but I can, I can kind of like see that Earl Grey might not be as like macho. Yeah. It's not your, it's not a... Is that like the difference between like a black coffee and like oh, a, a yeah. latte? Probably. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I don't want none of your fancy lattes. <laughs> yes. And then Germany. You lived in Germany at one time, which seemed like just a tiny footnote in your story. But I think, I believe Jennifer will ask you to expound on that. So I'm looking forward to that part later in the show. Yeah, me too. All right. So, and all I have to say to that is 99 Luftballons. Oh boy. Yep. There we go. And um and uh Spirkets of Deutsch. <laughs> there you oh go. Oh boy. Okay. So, uh Jennifer, tell us about tea. What do, do you, you got to say? Yeah, do you drink tea? I know I bought you tea once and I hope that you didn't She burned it. Immediately <laughs> oh, burned no. it. She's not a tea drinker. And Jennifer um, did not say to me, how how dare you buy this? How Perf- dare you buy this perfume tea? <laughs> so thank you, Jennifer. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What What's your What's your tea uh, Pre- preference? Preference. What say you? Ah, interesting story, Bobby Emily. I think I have been with Emily when she has ordered Earl Grey, and I think I was likewise impressed. It seemed so refined, so elegant. I'm a big fan of Earl Grey tea. I have to get it decaffeinated, but it is out there. And I didn't know what was in it. I was like, you know, it tastes a certain way, but I couldn't really define it. And basically it's just a black tea with bergamot oil, which is kind of like a citrusy taste. And I also found out that there is a Lady Grey tea and it's kind of the same thing but it actually has like lemon and orange rinds in the tea itself otherwise i like to drink a uh, chai the reason i pause uh chai is because i have to find decaf teas and it's harder to find a decaf chai it's possible they're out there and i was like what's in chai why do i like chai and it is again a black tea base with cinnamon ginger root allspice, clove, clove bud oil, and cardamom oil. At least uh, the stash tea packet that I I pulled from my tea stash. And I was curious how most people take their tea. I take mine usually with coffee creamer 
because then you get like the creaminess of the milk and a sweetness to it. But I looked up, there's actually a infographic on how uh, British people take their tea and 34% of people go with milk no sugar and then 16% milk two sugars or more. They're just like give me everything and a lot of it and then it's followed by milk one sugar and followed by black no sugar at 8%. What's interesting is that 14% of Brits said I don't drink tea so they're quite the anomaly. I don't know how to explain them. Maybe they had a traumatic tea experience, like someone tried to make them drink Earl Grey. Oh no. But anyway, yeah, that's the tea. Literal tea on the tea. All right, it's time for a song break. And I decided on one of the only tea songs that I knew. This song is Tea for Two by Ella Fitzgerald. Picture me up on your knees. Just tea for two and two for tea. That was the lovely Ella Fitzgerald. And now we return back to the interview with Miriam and what she has to say for the next question. My next question, which is that you're quite the avid reader, but we wanted to know like who some of your favorite authors were. Yeah, Agatha Christie, of course. And, that, and, then, and then there's a lot of new ones I really like. Marion Chesney Beaton. But they're all mysteries. I mean, they're all mysteries, you know. I mean, I just that's about all I read, British mysteries. Right. I'm not biased, but you know, I just love British mysteries. Yeah. Rebecca Tope is another one. Right. Anne Granger. And Cleves. And right now, do you want to know what I'm reading right sure. now? Sure, yes, I would love I to. I am reading a book that was first published in 1931. And oh, it's wow. set in a Scottish castle. It's fabulous. It is so fabulous. I just read some last night and I just... It, it's a, it's a ve- it's a surprise, you, you know. Um, the things that keep happening. Did you tell us the title? I don't think you did. Do, do you, do you um, it is called it? the murder of a lady. I think the murder of a lady. Yeah. Okay. So you like the lighter mysteries. Exactly. Does that also influence the kind of like television or movies that you yeah. like? Yeah. Any any kind of British mystery. I don't know. I like that. What do they call them? Cozies. Like Midsummer Murder sit in an English village, you know, and everybody's dropping like flies, you know, but... (laughs) Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's right. The little quotes in between our names at the beginning of the show was taken from Midsummer Murders. That's where it was from. Well, Miriam, I'm sold. I will no longer be reading the fluff that I've been cracking open to pass the time. I'm only a British murder mysteries guy from now on Mm -hmm. so that's it i i haven't read any agatha christie novels but i've watched a lot of the um you know british rendition televised versions which i know isn't the same um but i am very interested in what happened to agatha christie during that like I think she disappeared for like a month. Oh, yeah. And nobody knows what happened to her. Maybe she was finding herself. Maybe. Yeah. Um. So that is fascinating to me. And I wonder if Jennifer has heard about this mystery. The writer of mysteries becomes a mystery <gasps> herself. The intrigue. Also, PBS, if you're listening, get on that Murder of a Lady, because that sounds intriguing. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. I have been wanting to read a book about a castle. And a, and a Scottish castle at that. Yeah. That's, you're blowing my mind, Miriam. Yep. This is wonderful. Transport me to the 1930s, um, after the Spanish flu, but before... <laughs> COVID-19. Yeah, somewhere in there. That's the sweet spot. Uh, So, uh, reading, Emily, are there any books that you (sighs) find yourself... um... I am. I'm reading, I'm trying to get into a book. Um, It's not, it is not classy, um, or as classy as Miriam's (laughs) books. Um, It's about, like, an alternate universe where... 
people are on social media and their lives are like completely dictated by social media um i'm just kind of like at the very beginning waiting for it to get good but i also i keep falling asleep Mm -hmm. so that's not helping my reading game yeah that's hard that makes it hard yeah i'm I'm tired i'm a tired lady what can i say (laughs) uh and for myself you know as a classic literature buff i find myself reading books to you know the younger generation (laughs) i.e my children titles such as finding where is baby uh baby loves peekaboo yeah uh baby helps daddy books like that you know more like in-depth classic literature there's not much mystery I mean, there's a little mystery, well, especially baby finding loves, baby. Yeah, finding baby. Yeah, that's... the. Where did baby go? Yeah, it's... Oh, he's under the blanket. Keeps you at the edge of your seat. Uh, it's exciting enough for you to not fall asleep, short enough where you're not going to fall asleep reading it. So those are, those are you know, generally the, the yeah. books that I, that I am reading these days. Um, truly, though, circling back to what I said about Agatha Christie, I really am curious... If Jennifer, first of all, you know what I'm talking about. And second of all, like, do you have any opinions on what happened to her? Yeah. So hopefully you want to talk about that because I want to talk about that. So we're kicking it over to you, Jennifer. Jennifer here. So I only knew just a tiny bit about this from an episode of Doctor Who, season four. I think it's called The Unicorn and the Wasp. And otherwise, I didn't really know anything about it. So then I had to look it up because I couldn't handle not knowing anything about it. And so these are kind of a summation of the of the facts. So December 1926, she leaves in the night and disappears for 11 days. And shortly after she's reported missing, they find her wrecked and abandoned car. And then on the 11th day, someone recognizes her at this very luxurious hotel where she's been dancing and socializing and making friends calling herself Teresa Neal. She stated she had no recollection of what had happened so people had a lot of questions like was it really amnesia? Was it just a publicity stunt? Was it a suicide attempt gone wrong? Like what really happened? And from the power of the internet I have kind of an answer I think. Most of it was taken from the book Agatha Christie, The Finished Portrait by Andrew Norman. Something important to know is that in 1926, her mother had passed away. She was suffering from insomnia. She was sleeping maybe two hours a night. Her secretary said she'd had a breakdown earlier in the year. That day that she disappeared, she said she was feeling just desperate and stressed and miserable. Her and her husband had quarreled yet again about his mistress and he said he was going to go leave for a while and stay with some friends and she was not invited. And so the night of her disappearance, she left with 60 pounds in money and a small suitcase. She drove around aimlessly. Earlier that day, she had driven past a quarry and had had some dark thoughts about ending her life and decided not to because her daughter was in the car. She drove past the quarry, but decided not to take any drastic steps. But she did hit something in the dark, and she hit her head and her chest on the steering wheel. And she says she can't really remember the next 24 hours, but what she thinks might have happened is because of the car accident, she then had neuritis. She was in pain, and she had been treated at the Harrogate Hotel before for the same thing. And so she thinks that she was dazed and was like, ouch, this hurts. I should go to that hotel, obviously. And she wandered out to a train station that was about three or four miles away, depending on which station that she went to. And she was surprised that they didn't remember her because she said she was very muddy. She had blood on her face from a cut she had sustained on her hand. So when she arrived at the hotel, she had just a small attache case and it says once she got there she bought a lot of clothes at first she was quiet but then she just started making a huge number of friends and she talks about being the widowed mrs neal and she said i was a happy and contented person 
all the worries and anxieties of Mrs. Christie left me. While at the hotel, she even showed people the picture of her in the paper and was like, doesn't this look like me? That's wild. She's like driving around, crashing cars, disappearing. She's, she's an idiot. I'm glad I'm not her. When her husband showed up to collect her, she thought he was her brother. She started introducing him as her brother. Later, mental health people at the time kind of described it as a mental hiatus and that possibly it was that she exacted a rough judgment on her husband, uh, which her normal mind would not sanction. So I think it was just really a severe disassociative episode where her brain was kind of like, well, you know, there's a solution to that. Let's just not be you anymore. Because Teresa Neal, the widow, is a really happy person with a lot of friends and not a care in the world. So let's just be this fictitious person. Since I mentioned suicide and mental illness, I just wanted to add a little more here about that because I think we can learn a really important lesson from Agatha Christie's experience. Her story could have so easily ended in 1926, but it didn't. She went on to write 67 more novels. Uh, she divorced her husband in 1928 and in 1930 married who I assume was the love of her life as they were married for about 46 years until she passed away. What I think we learn is the true damage that a toxic relationship can cause because so much of this was due to the stress of having a husband who was by some accounts very cruel or unsympathetic to her emotional state and was flaunting his affairs and saying he wanted a divorce and it almost ended her till her brain literally transported her to an alternate world as a form of self-preservation but it looks like that's kind of what it took for her to stop maybe trying to make it work with someone who was not worth the effort and to realize her own value instead after her experience she was a after her experience, she was around friends that cared for her. She was writing, she was traveling, she was doing interesting things, and she wasn't afraid to risk her heart and to fall in love again. So sometimes when things feel really, really bad for us, we too need to look around at the negative aspects of our life and reevaluate those because sometimes we too need to cut ties and get out of a bad situation. So for that I say, remember Agatha Christie and the great mystery of her 11-day disappearance. Emily and Bobby asked a very simple question and somehow it turned into a history lesson and then a little bit of a counseling session. But maybe that's what dream infringement has always been all about. So it's time for a much-needed song break, I'm sure. Uh, this is Belle and Sebastian with Wrapped Up in Books. I wish I had two as I could follow I write the ending without any sorrow that was Belle and Sebastian, and we are just a few minutes shy of our halfway point. This is one of your co-hosts of Dream Infringement, Jennifer, and this is also KSKQ 89.5 FM Ashland, Oregon, and KSKQ Translator K231CW 94.1 FM Medford, Oregon. We're also streaming at www.kskq.org. If you want to re-listen to this episode or any of our past 200 episodes, you can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just type in Dream Infringement. You won't have to weed through a lot of results because there's just us, so <laughs> we're easy to find. And the show that we have for you this week, we sat down and interviewed one of our most dedicated, loyal, and supportive listeners, Miriam. And so on with some of our interview questions and responses, and here we go. Bobby had a question, and he wanted to know what the first record or album that you remember buying. Neil Diamond. 
it was Neil Diamond. Yeah. Okay, yeah. which segues yeah. into we know that you have the greatest love, undying love for Neil Diamond. Yep. How right. did that start? When did you first hear? I, him? Like, you know what? I can't remember. I absolutely cannot remember. I don't know who put me on to him. I just cannot remember. It's just so long ago. It seems like it's always been. been you know, always the, been. The yeah. Yes. How do you feel like when you listen to his songs? Or oh. What kind of emotions does it evoke? For nostalgia. You? So nostalgic. Yeah, and so full of like, oh, ah, oh, that's just how I feel. Like I am. I said. I mean, he just. You know, how does he know I feel like that? And then he does all bright ones like Cherry Cherry and I mean, I don't know how you write songs. I mean, how can you do that? It's incredible. I, I just admire somebody that can make the mu make music and write all the stuff too because so many artists, you know, they record other people's songs but he writes all his own, you, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that's incredible. I love that... Miriam, your first concert was Neil Diamond, and your first record was Neil Diamond. And your first love was Neil Diamond. <laughs> I don't know that she said that. Bobby's <laughs> Bobby's putting words in, in wrote, her mouth, and she's not here to defend herself, so I'm playing like... Thank you, Emily. I'm trying to keep Bobby from I'm, saying anything too extreme. Yeah, she's got the leash on real tight. I'm chomping at okay, the bit. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, Bobby, what was your first... I mean... We didn't have albums, yeah. but what was like your first CD or tape? My first CD or tape, uh, my mom took me to a used, uh, used like bookstore that had CDs and records and stuff. Mm -hmm. And my first two albums that I that I purchased that very afternoon uh, were uh, In Utero by Nirvana, okay, and Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. Oh. And those two albums like are so nostalgic for me. Like I, I can hear any one of the songs on any one of those two albums, and it takes me back to when I'm like 11 years old, and I'm just you know rocking out in my room with my guinea pig. <laughs> what was your guinea pig's name? Honey. Oh, honey, that's yeah. sweet. <laughs> yep. Um, my first. Uh, yeah, Emily, what was your first CD? Yeah, I'm sure you really, you already know what it was, and I know that you want to... I want to know. Okay. I know. Um, mine was in sync. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I am a product of the 90s. Yeah. I was like eight or nine, I think, and my parents bought, they invested in like BMG Music Catalog. I don't really know how that worked. I just knew that I would get the free CD. Um, so I chose NSYNC, so. All those music catalogs. I'd say I'm embarrassed. There's a part don't of me be, inside be. that's like, I know it's not as cool as like Nirvana or uh, No Doubt, but. Yeah. I, you know, it is what it is. But do you see what Justin Timberlake has done for himself? I do. So like all of us who made it out of the 90s and are still like alive and well mm -hmm. and rocking out and being cool. So it's Justin Timberlake. It just goes to show you. It you really know, does. Because there's a lot of people from the 90s that did not, unfortunately. That's true. We don't know where they are. Okay. Frankly, Jenna we don't care. Okay. All right. Jennifer, let's hear what your first um, album, CD, tape, musical... In whatever musical... medium you purchased it. Yes. What was your first one? I'm, I'm sure it was cooler than mine. Jennifer here. So the first tape that I remember getting, I was probably about 9 or 10, and it was one that my dad gave to me. I think he'd been to like a flea market or a fair and was asking them like what was good songs for someone of my age, and they said, oh, this one's popular. And it was this family band called The Jets, which was before the rock band The Jets happened, and they had kind of like a pop R&B feel to it, but they were super clean and so it was actually a very good and appropriate choice for me at the age I was, which knowing my father, this was like a rarity <laughs> and he, he did a good job. What? And as far as CDs that I bought myself, I know I was purchasing CDs beforehand, before this time frame, but 
the soonest my memory picks up is around age 18. I remember buying the debut albums from the Cranberries and Fiona Apple, which those were both really good albums. So yeah, no regrets on that one. Okay, so it's time for a song break. Of course, we're going to play Neil Diamond. What? Uh, I actually picked his song, I Am, I Said, because I have not heard it. <laughs> I wanted to hear it, and I wanted you to all hear it with me, like it's the first time, because it is, for me. Well, I'm New York City, born and raised, but nowadays I'm lost between two shores. I can't believe I've never heard this song before. It's very like powerful and very introspective uh, compared to what I hear from him played on the radio most often. So thank you, Miriam, for bringing a new song into my life. And now we're on to the next question. Do you remember what your first concert was or some of your favorite live concerts and live music? Neil Diamond. Oh, you've seen him? Yes. How many times? Yeah. See. Two or three times, I can't remember. One was in Munich and one was in Seattle. You know, I think I tried to go to Munich again and it was um, sold out. He had to put two concerts on and they both got sold out, like in oh. minutes. Mm -hmm. you know. He is, oh, he was so popular in Germany, you cannot believe it. I love the zero hesitation that Miriam has when Jennifer asks asks her what her her first record was yeah that was really cool Neil Diamond and also I'd like to just take a moment to admire all of us just as a as a as an audience as as people who love music just acknowledge the beauty and creativity of Neil Diamond can we just take a moment to do that sure okay <laughs> Okay, moment over. But why just spend a moment on Neil Diamond when we could spend... A lifetime? <laughs> a lifetime. Or at least a couple more minutes of this radio show. Yes, please. So here are some Neil Diamond facts. What? The first one that I found is that he went to school with Barbara Streisand. No way. Yes way. <laughs> um, He didn't know her back then but they were like passing each other in the halls yeah um but he did know her at the time that they recorded their hit song <gasps> you don't send me flowers anymore so they like went on to, to do a duet together they did beautiful so that's cool i'm a i'm a barbara streisand fan mm-hmm mm-hmm and a Neil Diamond fan. Oh yeah, matchmaker, matchmaker. Um, speaking of him writing his own lyrics, I did not know that Pete Seeger inspired him to write. Um, he was 16 when he saw Pete Seeger perform at Surprise Lake. It was a Jewish kids camp in upstate New York. What an awesome fellow, Pete Seeger. <laughs> I know. Performing at a kid's Jewish kid's kids jewish camp yeah that's great um yeah and so it he said that watching seeger's show sparked something in him and then he said and the next thing i got a guitar when we got back to brooklyn started to take lessons and almost immediately began to write songs that's so cool he loves the craft writing songs uh, miriam knew she knows and miriam knows yeah i didn't know but miriam knew yeah um, okay, so the third one is that medicine was his first passion. Really? Dr. Diamond? <laughs> Dr. Diamond, can you please? <laughs> Dr. <surgically>? Diamond, I <laughs> presume. <laughs> um, he wanted to go to medical school. He said, he, I actually wanted to be a laboratory biologist. I wanted to study, and I really wanted to find a cure for cancer. Oh, because his grandmother died, had died of cancer. Is it, is is there any more information that you can share to us that would endear us even more than we already are to this man? Um, his wife is his manager. Oh. That's pretty darling <laughs> that's, and that's wonderful. That's very darling. And here is a picture on the internet next to the fact of them looking longingly into each other's eyes. Yeah. And she looks about the same age as he is. Yeah. I don't know. I have a thing with, uh, like, I have a hard time with, like, really older creatives that are big stars 
with these like very very young wives it is refreshing when an older accomplished man is with someone like around his age yeah i i I enjoy that too Mm -hmm. i mean you know love knows no age and whatever but yeah I mean, it kind yeah. of, you know, yeah, you, okay. know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, um, he love number six. He loves to write about love. It's <laughs> so sweet. I think that's pretty evident. Yeah. I love the fact that Miriam has always loved Neil Diamond and has known no beginning in being in love with Neil Diamond music. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's incredible because because I, I I would like to get to a point where I do not remember the origins of what of of a favorite singer or you know mm-hmm. musician that I like. Yeah, and then the last fact on this article that I'm reading from says that he has the best fans, and he does because it says upon receiving refunds for their tickets after Diamond canceled concerts due to Parkinson's. Fans in Australia and New Zealand, what, what, Miriam, donated the reimbursed money to good causes ranging from Parkinson's research to animal rescue groups. That's... That's precious. Wow. wow. I'm done. Neil Diamond is the best man ever. He's the best everything. (laughs) Yeah, so... I mean, I feel like we need to play a Neil Diamond song. Well, let's do it. Okay. Okay. But before we play that Neil Diamond song, Jennifer, what Neil Diamond things do you have to say? Please just <laughs> let it all out. I don't know that there is a lot that I can add to all of that. Um, I did look up to see if his last name was real because I thought Diamond sounded too cool not to be made up, but it is real. He was born into cool. And I also read a funny story where once he started writing his own songs and poems, he was having great success with the high school girls and then boys in his classes noticed and asked him to write poetry for them as well for their girlfriends. So he had a little side hustle going on, which I also feel is a theme from like a movie. Also, I think it's cool how much he tries to give back. He seems like a very conscientious and considerate person, and I always think that's cool when someone with a lot of celebrityism really tries to do good with it. So good on you, Neil Diamond. Well, there was Neil and Barbara, but did you know about Ice T and Tupac? That's right. Back in 1996, they made a deal with Saturday Night Live that if they sang one song, they could sing another song that was a little bit more hard-hitting and uncensored. So the two sat down. I must say that Ice-T was able to keep it together and uh, had a pretty spot-on Neil Diamond impersonation. But um, I'm going to play you a snippet from that. Backstage, you said if I do this song for you, you're going to do the hardcore song I want to do for the lady. I remember when you couldn't wait to love me. Sing me love songs. Y'all don't bring us flowers. Y'all don't bring us flowers anymore. It never gets old. In my head, it never gets old. Anyway, on to the next question. We've called you our most loyal listener. I feel like you've listened to this from the start. Yeah, because I have. You, yeah, because yeah, of I your have. friendship with Adara. Yeah, and yeah. We all I love it. appreciate like your I love it. You encouragement oh. and calls and everything. You can't imagine what it's like. I, I mean, it's just a, a whole hour where, where I can just forget about everything. It, it is so important to me. So important. I think that was always like our biggest goal, and so to like hear that from you made us feel like so good. Just because that's what we wanted was someone to listen and like have a respite for an hour. And yeah, that's and it. Yeah, a respite. Like, that's the great word. <laughs> so it's yes. like even if you're yes. our only listener, we're like we don't care. No, that's we, it. We would totally do it just for you. Yeah. We probably are. <laughs> I think the funniest thing was when I was I'd, I'd fallen. And I was in the emergency room of the Ashland Hospital. And all I could think of was getting home in time to hear the show. And then there wasn't one. (laughs) (laughs) And you can't imagine. I mean, talk about, yeah, talk about disappointment. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I kept looking at that clock and it's like, 
oh, get this, can you take this, hurry up and take this x-ray or whatever it was. I mean, I didn't say that, but I was just, all I was thinking is, oh, I've got to be home by six o'clock. I've just got to be home by six o'clock. Oh, o'clock. no. <laughs> I feel heartbroken for you. Oh, no. Well, I can laugh about it now, but it was, at the time it wasn't very it was just funny. Like figures. <laughs> yes. A bad ending to a bad day. Well, I feel so sad now. Oh, no. Miriam, I'm so sorry. I feel like we need to give her, like, some some uh, extras. Yeah, like, we should record some shows for you. Just for you. Like a fail-safe. Yes. In case, <laughs> in case some situation similar to that happens again, and you can just, you know, pop in a brand new episode. Yeah, we should we should make a tape, a dream infringement emergency tape, put it behind glass, hang a hammer next to it, a little hammer, <laughs> and in case of an emergency, break the glass and then pop it into your cassette player. And there we are. And, and then, then we're there. We're there. We're there for you. And we'll even start off the tape with like breathe Miriam, it's okay, we're here for you. I don't know if if she needs that, I don't know. Miriam will have to get back to and, us on whether or not that us telling her to breathe would be helpful. And while we're doing that, we'll be playing Neil Diamond in the background. Oh, that, that sounds like that might be helpful. Okay, yeah, that's good. Let's do that. <laughs> Jennifer here. I feel like now that I have her phone number, I will be very conscientious to call and let her know if there won't be a show so she won't like get her hopes up and suffer that kind of disappointment because I can't live with that kind of guilt <laughs> so now that I know I will try very hard to make sure that that never happens again I have another Neil Diamond song this one actually by Neil Diamond called hello again hello my friend hello Just got to let you know. Okay, I think we have time for one more interview question and answer. Over the years, we've talked about fashion. You have a keen eye for fashion. Has it always been like that yeah, for you? Yeah, when I was still at school, mm-hmm. I wanted to be a fashion designer and I used to make all my own clothes. Ooh. And so I wanted to do something like that, but we just couldn't afford for me to go to school. So I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But then, when I was working in Germany, I had, so, I had a lot of money. I made a lot of money, so I could just buy whatever I wanted. <laughs> so it was a kind of a way to, because um, I couldn't do what I really wanted. But that kind of helped. One of my very favourite outfits, though, is a, I had a leather suit made. I've still got what it because I love it. Okay, the, I went to a fashion show, a leather fashion show, when I was working. <laughs> One of the models came out with a suit on. It's like. <gasps> Oh, I just want that suit. I want a suit like that. So it was the skirt was a beautiful light pink, and the jacket was a shocking pink, with light pink, like a collar thing. And now, and it must be the eighties. Yeah, it was the eighties. Mm-hmm. They had those big puffy, great big sleeves. Okay. You know, I mean, oh my gosh, I so love this outfit. Was the skirt like oh. a mini skirt, or did it go down? No, to the no, knee? it was longer because you It was winter. Oh my god, it was gorgeous. It's well, it still is because I still have it. Mm-hmm. Not part. I can, you know, just keep it. I mean, but I mean, it was just that. That was the fashion. Everybody was mm-hmm. le- wearing leather at that time. Where would you wear it to? To work. I mean, I, I just, you know, like I just, that was a work outfit. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I had. To dress up to go to work. Mostly wore suit the suit every day. It was kind of fun just um, being able to do that too. That was sort of a, kind of an outlet because I couldn't really do what I wanted. So for fashion on a budget, do you end up like going to like Goodwill a lot or? Yes, yes, I love Goodwill. It's like my favorite place now. <laughs> World circumstances and in, in your life change. Yeah. And now yeah. I. That is my absolute favorite place. Yes. There's something so satisfying in finding the perfect find. Yes, you're exactly. just like, this is yes. awesome, this is so me, and I only got to pay very little. Goodwill oh, for $4. I've... Just an aside, she was pointing to, it was a black Harrods bag with, I think, a Yorkshire Terrier on it, just so that makes sense. Back to the story. 
That's the um, place in London, right? Yeah. I have, yeah. I have been there. Yeah. That's my I aunt and I used to, yeah, my aunt and I used to go there. Yeah. We used to go there and have afternoon tea. That was $4 at Goodwill. And then one of my friends saw it and wanted it and looked, and looked at it, looked up on eBay. Oh, yeah. And it was $75 on eBay. And awesome. there were two in Oregon on eBay. And one. And I love the idea of recycling. We waste so much. When I buy something at Goodwill, I feel like I'm helping recycle. I just like not having to spend the money. Circumstances in your life change, mm-hmm. and so you just adapt. And you find fun in something else now. Like, I find great pleasure in going to Goodwill. Mm-hmm. I love it. And everybody knows me and says That's hello. That's true. Every and place we've been today, everyone has known you. That's yeah, very true. And it, mm-hmm. I mean, I buy shoes there. I buy everything mm-hmm. there. Everything I can, I buy there. It's exciting. You know? It really then, is. And then somebody says, oh... That's nice. I said, yeah, I got it at Goodwill. And I was like, what? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I love it. I just love Goodwill. So Miriam called me later because she wanted to include one detail with this. So along with the pink leather suit, she also had matching like highlights or stripes in her hair at the same time. So she was cutting quite the fashionable figure in 1980s Germany. I wish I had a picture. We'll have to see if we can track one down. I can kind of envision it, but I think that the reality of it will be so much more amazing. So I want to I want to see it. So I have one last song to play you out with. Miriam also mentioned she's a huge fan of the Bee Gees. And so this is the Bee Gees with You Should Be Dancing. Thanks again so very much for listening to our show. We'll have an extended version that we'll post on our SoundCloud iTunes account with more questions and answers to Miriam. You can find out a little bit more about her life and times. And we appreciate so very much all her support. And so here's to many more episodes, many more Neil Diamond songs, and much more Miriam. Up next is Leo with One World, Many Songs. And I tell you, Leo has the voice to soothe all that ails you. Well, since I promised everyone an extended version, this is it. This is some additional interview questions that we didn't get to within the hour-long show because we, meaning I, got a little chatty, maybe off on a tangent. Thank you, Agatha Christie. So here's a little bit more from Miriam on different subjects about Uh, her life and times and hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Now of course I had lots of questions for Miriam about moving from New Zealand to Germany and having to learn a new language and all of that because that sounds really hard and also very interesting. And here's what she had to say. How old were you when you moved to Germany? Uh, 23. told me before that you had to learn German. Yeah. You're fluent in German now. Is that a hard language? Oh yes. I mean, for me it was. Yeah, you know, for me. I mean, it's 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 different for everybody. But I mean, I remember sitting on the bus, and everybody was speaking German. I thought I will never learn this. You know. And then I ended up. You know, I speak it fluently. Uh, you just do when you when you're kind of immersed in it, and you kind of have to. But I mean, I did go to night school and stuff like that oh, to to learn to it. Learn but. It. Did you work while you were in Germany? Yeah. What did you do? I worked for your State Department. I just, I loved my job, loved it. And I worked at the American Consulate in Munich for 20 years, and I just loved it. And I spoke German most of the time. So, of course, my next question is, how does one come from New Zealand by way of Germany to Ashland? How how does someone living in Germany even know about Ashland? And then also, because I'm a romantic and I love asking this question, like, how did she meet her husband? How did that happen? How did you get to Ashland? I don't know that story. With my husband. He wanted to come and live here. And so that's how we ended up here, and that was 93. How did he hear about Ashland? He'd lived, he'd lived in, um, his sister lived in Medford, and so mm-hmm. he came through Ashland many times, and he thought I'd like it because I'm English and there's a Shakespeare festival. <laughs> And he was correct on that Ex- count. Right, exactly. I right. love it. So how did he get to Germany? He was working for the University of Maryland. How did you two meet? Like just, just just mutual friends. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. 
So did yeah. he ask you out? Yeah, you we just, I don't know, I just, it's, it's such a lot, it seems like it's such a long time ago, but we were just friends for quite a while, just totally just friends. And, and I think that's really important sometimes, you get to know people better yeah. when you're just friends. You see people in different circumstances with different people and how people react. And different things bother different people. Oh, yes. You, you know, I mean, I'm really picky, but, but just... <laughs> So how Miriam heard about dream infringement is through Adara, their friends. Even as a very young teenager, she would hang out regularly with Miriam and her husband. And after Miriam's husband passed away, Adara took to meeting Miriam for a regular lunch and coffee breaks, and they grew even closer. Miriam will often say that she feels she would not be here if not for Adara. And so because of that, she's been listening to us for the past four years, and we've begun to get to know Miriam better ourselves, just because she's such a sweet and lovely person. And so hopefully, because as we know, Adara's schedule and career and everything has changed a bit, so hopefully the rest of us can uh, fill in a little bit by proxy and the iced beverage here and a phone call there um, we can't fill those shoes for sure but <laughs> we can definitely be a warm smile and a friendly conversation so anyway here's Miriam talking about her friendship with Adara that's why my dear friend Adara was so great oh yeah she was like I said the for me, absolutely one of the easiest people to travel with. I love traveling oh, with Adara. Oh. She was very calm and level-headed. Yes, she had a yes. great sense of direction. She but was, she was so honest, too. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just, you, you need friends that are honest. Yes. You do, because like you just said, sometimes you do something, you don't even know what you're doing. No, and you really, you've got to know that that person that's telling you that has your best interests of heart, mm -hmm. and they really love you. Yes. That's, that's so important. They're not just saying it, it's because they love you and this, they think that, you know, this will help, this will help you. Yeah. Know, you know when people are not, are not, when they're just saying something, but you can tell the difference. Dara was just great at... She was. Oh, I mean, well, she still is, I'm yeah. sure, but, you know, but like you were saying, she's a, she's a nurse now and the, people don't have the same amount yeah, of time anymore. She always, she's such an old soul, like I forget that she, you know, like when she started the show, was she like 19? Because the show's been going for four years. Oh, four years, okay. So she yeah, 23 okay. now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 23, so yeah. she was, you know, she's still, she's growing up, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yes, I forget yes. that because she seems yeah. so much more mature than me. Yeah, <laughs> but, like, well that's you know, it, see, yeah, exactly. Moving yeah. and changing. I mean, I'm older than her grandmother. Yeah, 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 I'm the same age as her mom. Yeah, see, yeah. And what difference is it doesn't make any difference. It never did. No, no, it never no. did with never did with us either. So I knew from previous conversations that Miriam absolutely loves cats, as do I. And so I had a few questions to find out a little bit more about that. I know one thing that we have in common is that you love cats. Oh, I used to belong to a cat club. I used to help at cat shows. <laughs> and I also used to breed Siamese cats. I love yeah. Siamese. I mean, I love all cats. I just love all cats. But I don't know, Siamese just, I don't know. It's like they talk to you. I think they're really chatty. Yeah, they are. They're very chatty. And my my cats were very chatty, yes. My cat, when I just was didn't feel good or something, she'd always just come and jump on my lap and just, like, they just know. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember coming home, like, from school, mm -hmm. and uh, that cat would be in my bed. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, mm -hmm. like this little ball in the middle of the bed, under the mm -hmm. covers, <laughs> under the covers. It's like, how is this thing breathing? Oh, and then I'd go out somewhere at night or whatever. You'd come home and that cat knew it. It was sitting by the door. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do they know that? I was on a bi my bicycle or something. I mean, this is when I'm still at school. Or I mean, it's impossible. My mum said that, you know, that or dad said they were laying in front of the fire and all of a sudden it'd get up and be sitting by the door and the next just minute knew. I walk in. I mean, I, I mean, that's pretty, that's just amazing. They are just, cats are just, I don't know, I just love them. 
And of course, I always like to ask people about their hobbies and pastimes, just in case there's something that I don't know that maybe we have in common or something that I would like to learn and want to have in common. And so I asked her a little bit about like what she does uh, in her spare time, what spare time she has. What are some of the other things that you just like pastimes that you enjoy doing? I love to walk. A lot of walking. I love to go for walks and then I used to go to the gym but of course I haven't been lately and I'm not really comfortable about going back just yet. don't really have a lot of hobbies, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know, it's enough just taking care of yourself when you're by oh yourself, you know. Gosh. When you've got nobody to turn and, oh could you do this, could you do that? No, you've got to do <laughs> everything yourself. When I go all the time to listen to Daniel Sperry play in the oh, park. Oh, right. We talked about him yes, before. Yes, with his cello. He's, and, oh, he's yeah, so and good. He, yeah, and he writes all that. He composes so much. I mean, it's incredible. Oh, it's just, yeah, it's just absolutely oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I love that he's just like in the park. He, yes. It, it, he becomes oh. kind of the soundtrack to your environment. Oh, my goodness. There. Just yeah. sitting there with, and, you know, with all that creation around you the trees and all oh my goodness and then that music oh my goodness just and he's just a nice person too oh yes oh my goodness yeah but the thing is now it's because it's so hot he's only playing like from 11 to 1 or something I just dither around so much in the mornings (laughs) that I but I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I thought, oh, i just got to go there. So I actually got myself together and got out there around noon or something. <laughs> so yeah. For a while, but yeah, no, I prefer, gonna... you know, I love going out in the afternoon. Just even yeah. if it's just for an hour or a couple of hours, that's why I love going, going to the park. And it's just, it's just beautiful. Just beautiful. And we've officially come to the end of my interview questions. If you listened all the way to the end, thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed hearing from Miriam, learning a little bit more about her, especially if you know her. She does know quite a few people. She's an extrovert. She has a very distinctive accent. She's very friendly, so she she does get around. So keep your eye out if you're an Ashland local, especially perhaps Bloomsbury Books or the co-op and see if you have a Miriam sighting and if you do say hello I'm sure she would enjoy that anyway thank you and we will be broadcasting next week whether it's an extended version or not depends on if I can control myself by not talking about um, Agatha Christie or the definition of the word pith see uh, last week's show for that ranting if if you must anyway thank you for tuning in and bobby he loves you he really does never doubt it never this reminds me of a story that i have forgotten to tell bobby and emily which was that i was talking to an overly affectionate person on the phone and they were like i love you as they were hanging up and I was like "Mm mm-hmm thank you and then I got very chastised about how I'm not open with my emotions and that I'm not expressive about my emotions and for everyone who's listened to the show for the last four years I kind of don't think that's my issue but for me personally I just don't use the love word unless it's a solid emotion otherwise I just don't because then it makes me uncomfortable and if someone is like going to want to pressure me to say it that even more guarantees that I will not be able to say it at all because now I don't know if I'm saying it because I wanted to or because they wanted me to and it gets very confusing in my mind so I was like sorry for you I mean not for me I don't need to defend myself because boundaries and all of that. And as the great Bonnie Raitt said, you cannot make someone love you. They don't. It takes a long time for me. You have to earn it. But they were going on and, and on about this. And so I said, you know what? Bobby, 
Bobby loves you. He loves you. Because I am not comfortable just throwing my, my love around. But I am very comfortable in throwing Bobby's love at other people. And it was effective. It worked. They stopped pestering me. Thank you, Bobby, for loving so much. Because truly, as like co-hosts, that's his, his role, his job. It's not my job. I don't have to love people. Bobby loves the people. I make people follow schedules, and I send them spreadsheets they don't open. That's my role. And this was all confusing and disorienting. Someone was wanting me to be Bobby. I can't be Bobby. I cannot. Nor should Bobby be imposed upon to make a spreadsheet. Not how things go. So it's, it's harder functioning as a solo person without the crutch of my co-hosts in real life sometimes. It really is. Thank goodness Bobby's loving people. I'm making spreadsheets. Emily's my life coach because sometimes I don't know how to be a very good adult human being and I need some assistance with that. She's good with that kind of thing. Uh, she kind of keeps us all grounded and this is how things work. I will schedule you. Bobby will love you. Emily will make sure that you're staying healthy. Anyway, tune in next week. We'll have more of the content that is content. We don't know what it is yet, but we are formulating a plan. Even as I'm talking, I'm formulating a plan. I'm going to go put it in a spreadsheet. That's what I'll do. Bye.